We're in the series Brave, and I don't know about you, but I think we all have situations in our life um, where we could use a little courage or we could use a little bravery in our lives. And so this is what this whole, whole series is all about, is a series about finding those situations in our lives and choosing to trust Jesus in those things and to say, God, I want to be brave. I want to take a step forward. I don't want to be stuck in the place that I am. And so if you weren't with us last week, last week was the first week. Uh, we talked about being brave to follow. And basically it's just being brave to follow Jesus. And we talked about the story where Jesus is walking on the water and the disciples are all in the boat. They're looking out and they're afraid. They're wondering what is going on. And Peter's the one who says, Jesus, if it's you, call out to me and I'll walk out to you. And so Thad talked about how Peter was the one who had the bravery to just step out of the boat and say, I'm going to do this. And we all know the story that he ended up sinking and Jesus ended up grabbing him out of the water. But he took that first step. He went through that, that first decision, that first like, thing in his heart that just says, you know what, I'm going to leap. I'm going to do this. And so that's the kind of bravery that we want to have. And so we're going to continue throughout the series. We're going to continue talking about Peter and his different stories that are in his life. And, but when we're talking about Jesus and we look at Peter and we say, man, what an awesome dude to be able to, to step out of the boat, to be able to take that first step. And we, we kind of forget, yeah, but he also, he also sank and Jesus had to save him. And so what we do when we look at the life of Peter, we also see a life that has some failures in it as well. And so today we're going to be talking about failures. And so today's title is um, uh, Brave to Fail. And so basically, it's more, it's more of, excuse me, it's more of a title of brave when you are failing or when you have failed. And so the big idea today is that God's love is greater than our failure. God's love is greater than our failure. And so maybe the good news for you today, what you need to hear is simply that the love that God has for you is greater than the worst thing that you've ever done in your life. Maybe you come here today and you think, you know, why would God love me? Or why does Jesus choose to love me when I know that I've done you fill in the blank? When I've done this in the past, how can God love me even though I've done that? And maybe you're in a situation where right now you've failed. Or you're in a time of, you feel like you're in a time of failure. And you're like, how can God love me through the situation that I'm walking through? And so I think the first thing that we need to understand is that God's love is so much greater than anything that we've ever done, that any failure we could ever feel in our life is that God's love covers that. He sent Jesus. And I think if there were mistakes that surpassed the love of God, if there was something that we could do that would somehow get past God's love for us, then he would have sent Jesus not to be our Savior, but he would have sent, us, sent him to be our condemner. He would have sent Jesus to come here and basically point out all of our flaws and say, this is where you have failed me, here, 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 and here. He'd walk up to me and say, Jaden, I know what you've done your whole life, and it's time for you to meet your maker. You've done this, you've done this, you did this when you were 8 years old, when you were 12, when you were 13, when you were 14, you got into that little car accident on the side of the road with a friend that you never told your dad about, I saw that, and I'm ready to condemn you. Funny story, it was me and my friend Tony, and we were driving, and he had this huge spotlight in his truck, 
And he's like, dude, there's deer out here. We got to, like, check out some deer. And so it was, like, literally the brightest spotlight I've ever seen. And so we're shining it across this field. And so he had the great idea. And he was 16. He was the driver. I was 14, the not driver. And so just to, just to clear it all out, it wasn't actually me who got in the wreck. And so we're driving on the side of the road in this, like, dirt. And so he's like, dude, we got to catch him because they started running away. So he's driving faster and faster. And all of a sudden, it's just this, like, this pounding sensation goes through my body. And it's the, um, my body pounding into the seatbelt because we had gone over this ditch. And somehow there was this, like, stream ditch. And the truck was perfectly balanced across the stream so that the wheels weren't touching the ground. It was just the front bumper and the back bumper holding us up. And so, luckily, his stepdad was a tow truck guy, and he, so he brought this big 18-wheeler rig to pull us out, but I never told my dad. So, if he's listening to the podcast, you know, I got in a wreck when I was 14, and I never told. So, Jesus can't get me for that one. But anyway, that's not what Jesus came to do. He didn't come to condemn us. He came to save us. He came to free us from our sin, and there's nothing that we could ever have done that would get in the way of that. Romans 8.31 says, What shall we say about such wonderful things as these? If God is for us, who can ever be against us? And you see, this verse is in transition between a scripture telling us that the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, actually groans for us when we don't have the right words to pray. This, this verse that we just read is the segue to the next part where it says that, there's nothing in life that can separate us from the love of God. God is for you. God's love, grace, and mercy are all there to lift us up when we know we've sinned, failed, or fallen short. So if God is for you, who can be against you? But I think the truth of the matter is, is that sometimes we ourselves, or you in your situation, can get in the way of God's love for you. And so when we let our fears and failures derail our relationship with Jesus, then we become our own worst enemy. We've let a mistake maybe define our life, and we've said, I'm going to let that mistake, that decision, define the rest of my decisions for the rest of my life. And we really begin to self-alienate ourselves from God. We say, you know what, God, what I've done is too bad. I'm just going to let you be you, and I'm going to be me. And God's love is the exact opposite of that, where he wants everything to be in relationship with us. He gave up everything to do that. And so last week we talked about Peter. He was one of the, the men who was brave to follow. He got out of the boat, and he had the faith to walk on the water. And so we're going to continue looking at his life. But Peter is also the one who learned very, in a very hard way what it meant to fail what it meant to feel like a failure, and he had to live with that afterwards. And so we're going to look at a story from his life after this, you know, really awesome occasion where he's walking on water, and we're going to talk about that. So Matthew 16 is where we're going to jump to right now. Matthew 16, 13 through 18 says this, When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, Who do people say that the Son of Man is? Well, they replied, some say John the Baptist, some say Elijah, and others say Jeremiah, or one of the other prophets. 
Then he asked him, but who do you say I am? Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. Jesus replied, you are blessed, Simon, son of John, because my Father in heaven has revealed this to you. You did not learn this from any human being. Now I say to you that you are Peter, which means rock, and upon this rock I will build my church, and all the powers of hell will not conquer it. So Peter, being the first one to step out of the boat, Peter's also the first one to say, you know what, Jesus, you are the son of the living God. And so thought one today is that Jesus invites you to take a risk. We're all in a situation in our lives where we might feel like God's just calling us to take a risk, to say, you know what, take, just take this one step, and I have a huge plan for you. And so for Peter, this is saying, you know what, Jesus, some people say you're prophets, that you're just a prophet, but, you know, I think you're the son of the living God. And this is this, like invitation from Jesus to Peter. You know, he gave them room to all fail, to all say, you know what, well, some say you're a prophet, Jesus, or some say you're Jeremiah, or some say you're this guy. But he gave them all an opportunity just to, you know, let it out. What, who do you think I am? And so be, Peter could have easily said something else. But he chose to acknowledge Jesus as Savior. He chose to say, you know what? You are the Son of God, and I truly believe that's who you are. And so nowhere does Jesus ever offer people safety. He doesn't ask them. When he asks people or he interacts with them, he's not asking them to to just take the easy way out. You know, just tell me I'm a prophet, and then I'm going to be good with that, and I'll correct you. He wants people to take that risk, to take that step. And so what was it a risk for Peter to say that Jesus was the Messiah, that he was the Savior? And the truth of the matter is that this time, to say that someone was a Savior would really be blasphemy to the other teachers of the law. Even though the Jewish people were waiting for a Messiah, they've been waiting for a Savior, really to call one out would be blasphemy. They have this, this mark of who a Savior would be. He would come and destroy the Romans. He would free the Jewish people. He would be their conquering hero, their Savior in a military fashion. But Jesus came to heal, to seek and save the lost, the hurting, the broken, the people that the religious people did not want to interact with. And so the risk of calling Jesus as a Messiah is saying that he really is God in the flesh, that he's the fulfillment of the law, and really all of this would make the religious leaders just flip a lid. They would just flip out because they'd be like, no, that, this cannot be our Savior. This cannot be our Messiah. And so you get this back and forth as you read through the Gospels between the religious leaders and the disciples and Jesus just saying, you know what, this is why I came if you can't deal with this, you need to figure things out. And so some people did, but a lot of people didn't. And this is where you get Jesus being crucified is because they were so mad at Jesus coming and saying that he was the Son of God. And so it was a risk for Peter to call it out. But it's an adventure that we've been called on. And so I don't know if you've been reading along in Love Does. Maybe you're a super fast reader and you've already read it. And you're like, well, that was like two months ago. But we're going to keep talking about Love Does because it's really kind of the theme for our year. And if this is your first time being here or if you were here in um, January and February and you didn't pick up a Love Does, Love Does book for your family, we have one on your way out. So it's our free gift to you for visiting or if it was our free gift to everyone that calls Open Life home for their families. So if you didn't get a Love Does book. But one of the excerpts from the book is the guy's name is Bob Goff, Bob Goff who wrote it. 
But he talks about this adventure, and he says every day God invites us on the same kind of adventure. It's not a trip where he sends us a rigid itinerary. He simply invites us. God asks what it is he's made us to love, what it is that captures our attention, what feeds that deep and indescribable need of our souls to experience the richness of the world he made. And then, leaning over us, he whispers, let's go do that together. Jesus invited Peter onto an adventure. And he was telling Peter, let's go on this adventure together. Let's take this step together. Let's live life that is truly life together. And Peter responded by expressing what was deep inside of his heart, what had been revealed to him by God. And so he didn't let the fact that he was just a fisherman... He didn't let the fact that he was an uneducated person get in the way that he had to identify Jesus for who he was. So Peter Peter was brave to follow. Last week when we were talking about getting on the boat, he's brave to follow now and, and calling out Jesus who he is. But he didn't know that he would soon need to be brave in his failure. And so our next passage that we're going to talk about is on the night that Jesus was betrayed. It's the night we, we remembered on our Good Friday service a couple weeks ago. And it's the Last Supper where Jesus brings all the disciples together. Disciples together. He goes through this thing that we now, we now call communion. You know, he, he tears the bread. This is my bread. I've given it, or my body. I've given it for youth. Take this juice. This is my, this is my blood. Do this in remembrance of me. That's why we do communion. And so after that, we read in Luke 22, 31 through 34, this is, it. this is what he says to Peter right after that momentous occasion. He says, Simon, Simon, Satan has asked to sift each of you like wheat, but I have pleaded in prayer for you, Simon, that your faith should not fail. So when you have repented and turned to me again, strengthen your brothers. Peter said, Lord, I'm ready to go to prison with you and even die with you. But Jesus said, Peter, let me tell you something. Before the rooster crows tomorrow morning, you will die three times that you even know me. And so when you study the life of Peter, you have to wonder how Peter got from confessing Jesus as a Savior, as being the only one out of the 12 disciples to say, you know what, you are the Son of God, to just a short time later, he's the one who's around other people, and they're saying, like, aren't you the guy that's with Jesus? And he's like, no, 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 I'm not with him. And they're like, no, I'm pretty sure that you're with Jesus. And he's like, no, 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 no. So finally, a third time comes, and Peter denies him again. And it says that Peter just ran off because he was so ashamed of what he'd done. And just thinking about that, can you imagine being in that situation? Because I think of Peter, and I feel like he's someone who loves deeply, who instinctively, like, just jumps out of faith to, like, love Jesus and to be the example of a disciple that we should follow. And I feel like if you're going to go that far that way, to deny Jesus on this other side hurts even that much more because you've been the one that's been spearheading this, this thing. You're the one who called Jesus out as the Son of God, and now you're denying him. On the night that Jesus needed him the most, Peter bailed. Can you relate to that in your life? As a spouse, as a parent, as a coworker, as someone in a friendship, have you ever been in a moment with someone that you love or care for and you, you really failed them? Where you'd say, you know what, I just wasn't there for them when they needed me the most. 
And so this is what we're talking about today is we all have failures in our life. We've all done things that have been a failure to maybe someone that we've loved, that we've cherished. And how do we get back up out of those moments? Thought two today is failure is a moment, not a monument. When we fail, are those times in our lives, are they moments? Or have we chosen to let them be monuments in our lives? And so a moment, it's an opportunity. A moment of failure is an opportunity to learn and to change in an area that we failed to come out better in the end. But a monument, what do I mean by that? It's when we define our future because we look back on that that one thing where we've chosen to just look back continually at that one failure over and over and over until we see our future in light of the monument of our failure. God's love would have us look at our failures as moments, not as monuments. Failure is a lesson, not a lifetime. So can you imagine, maybe you're in, a, you're in a time of failure now, or you remember that one failure a while ago. Maybe it's a year ago, maybe it's five years ago, maybe it's ten years ago, where you would say, you know what, I really screwed this up in my life with my wife, or with my kids, or in my finances, or in my job, in my profession. Do you choose to look at that moment as a monument that you continually look to and look at your future through? Or do you choose to let God come, let his love surround you, and to say, no, I'm just going to let that be a moment. I'm going to learn what I can from it, but I'm going to let my future be dictated by Jesus. You know, we should have moments, we should have monuments for times in our lives that we want to cherish. Like, For a lot of people, your wedding ring, that's a monument because you always look to it and you can remember the day that you got married to your spouse. And on a lighter note, when I go on vacation, I choose to kind of grab a small token that doesn't cost a lot of money. I like When I go out of the country, I like to buy a Coke bottle and a glass um, because a lot of places have Coke everywhere. It's like, you know, currency for the world. And so I, I really like Coke. So... I, went, I used to leave the country more when I was younger. Now I haven't, I'm like, my passport is expired, so I'm kind of lame now. <laughs> but I used to, I went to Germany, and so I was just in this hotel, and they had Coke in a glass bottle, and so I kept it. I, you know, I, I snuck it in back into the U.S., and so now it's on my desk. So I went to the Dominican Republic a few years later and got another Coke bottle, And so now when I look at those Coke bottles on our honeymoon in Mexico, I'm just going through all the different Coke bottles I have. And so, um, actually, that Coke bottle got me real sick, I'm assuming, because that's the only thing that I drank outside of the resort. And I got totally nasty flu sickness. So maybe I should throw that one away. But anyway, it proves my point. We have these things that we hold on to. They're monuments. They're things that we can look at and say, you know what? I can look at a Coke bottle and remember exactly the hotel that I was in when I got that bottle. I can remember the days that were surrounding it, the things that I did, because I chose to have a memory. I chose to have a monument. And so I think Jesus would have it, and he would say, the day, the moment that you chose to follow me, That can be your monument. 
that can be your monument to know that the minute I chose to follow Jesus, the minute I chose to follow in the way of Jesus and accept his ways for my life and to walk and follow him, that was the day that I'm going to choose to have a monument for. Jesus, Jesus would say, let that be your monument. Don't let your failures, don't let your things that, that you know that you're holding onto, the things that you look to so often, don't let those be your monuments. Let those be moments that you learn from, that you, that you figure out how to live afterwards, but not that you continually look to to say, this is where I'm going to get the identity for my life is because I was a failure in this moment. Jesus would say, look to me in the moment you chose to follow me and let that be the determining factor for every decision, every future that you try to make after that. After our next passage that we'll look at, I think that's the way I think Peter began to look at his life. It would have been super easy for Peter to look at the moment that he denied Jesus to say, you know what? That is who I am now. I'm the denier of Jesus. I'm the one, I'm the unfollower of Jesus. I'm the person that in a moment where Jesus needed me, I'm the one that turned away. And he could have let his whole life after that be dictated by that one moment. But after this next story that we read, I think Peter begins to see his life differently. And he begins to remember that the moment he followed Jesus, that's the monument for his life. And so John 21, 15 through 17, this story is now about after Jesus had been crucified and he had, uh, his resurrection had already happened and he'd already met with the disciples once before. And so we pick up the story and we're talking, the disciples are sitting on the shores of the Sea of Galilee and they're trying to figure out what to do next. And of course, Peter, he's like, you know what, I'm going to go fishing. I'm going to return back to what I know. I'm going to return back to what I used to do before ever following Jesus. And so he starts fishing, and then this man starts to yell out from the shore. He's like, are you catching anything? And they're like, no. He's like, okay, put it on the other side of the boat. And they catch this miracle, like, fish batch. Or I don't know. I'm not a fisherman. I don't know what they're called. But he, he catches this miracle catch of fish. They bring it into the shore. The, the disciples instantly know that it's Jesus who is talking to them. And so they come together. They eat breakfast together as any good group of following Jesus followers should do is just eat well, eat fish and bread and stuff. And they came together. And then after breakfast, Jesus pulls Peter inside. It's like, I need to talk to you. So that's where we pick it up in John 21, 15 through 17. After breakfast, Jesus asked Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? And so the these, the, he, the these that Jesus is talking about here could be the other disciples. He could be talking about the fish. He could be talking about just about other people. But so Jesus is saying, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? And he says, yes, Lord, Peter replied. You know I love you. Then feed my lambs, Jesus told him. Jesus repeated the question, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Yes, Lord, Peter said, you know I love you. Then take care of my sheep. Jesus said a third time and asked him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt. And other versions say that Peter was grieved by this, that Jesus asked the question a third time. He said, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus said, then feed my sheep. Peter, the one who identified who Jesus was, 
the very first person to identify that Jesus was the Son of God, now has to subject, him, subject himself <clears throat> to say that he actually loves Jesus. This is a humbling moment for Peter to just sit there and be like, yes, I love you. Yes, I love you. Yes, I love you. Three times. It's not a coincidence that he denies him three times, and three times Jesus asks him, do you love me? And he responds, yes, I love you. Peter knew why Jesus asked him that, and as much as it hurt and grieved him, by doing this, Jesus turns Peter's failure from a monument that could have dictated the rest of his life, he turns that denial from a monument into a moment. And thought three is that our failure is a launch pad, not a roadblock. Our failure is a launch pad, not a roadblock. And so, as a sports fan, I was trying to think of, like, what's the best example to think of a team that's maybe come from failure and has launched themselves, like, into, you know, success. And so, I don't know if you're an English Premier League soccer fan, like I am myself, but I want to introduce you to a team called the Leicester City Football Club. And so, uh, there's a few guys up here. I've like totally got fanboy on these guys of the last year. So right here, that's, that's Riyad Mahrez. So I'm just proving I'm a true fan. And then this is Jamie Vardy right here. And the truth of the matter is, the way it works in England is that each season of these 20 soccer teams, the bottom three teams are relegated at the end of the season. And it's an awesome way to, you know, get rid of the bad teams. And so this last year, to compare it to the NFL, I went and looked it up, but it would have been the Tennessee Titans, the Cleveland Browns, and the San Diego Chargers. The bottom three teams in the NFL get sent down to a lower level, and then three teams from a lower level come up and get to prove themselves. So the story goes for this team is that last season, a year ago, basically from today, this team was in last place in the Premier League. And so it's a big deal. The Premier League is like probably, you know, sorry Americans, but the biggest league in like the whole world and everyone follows them, you know, they could be bigger than the NFL, you know, no offense guys. But anyway, so last year, year from now, they're in last place. They need seven points to be able to be free from being sent down to the lower division the next year. Seven of the last nine games that they played, they won. They, they totally save themselves from going down to the lower division. They get to stay in the upper division. And if you haven't been following sports, because I know a lot of people don't like soccer or they don't like football, that they call it in Europe, you know. But this is the coolest story because now a year later, they're in first place and they just won this morning. I got up early and watched it. And uh, it's totally awesome because, I mean, I'm just thinking like, can you imagine the Cleveland Browns winning the Super Bowl this year. I can't, you know, the odds for them winning this season. And they're pretty, If they would have to have a colossal failure to not win. The, am I right, Greg, probably? Yeah. Greg's a big soccer fan. We talk about soccer. And so I'm just trying to get affirmation. Thank you. And so, uh, amen. He, you heard it here. And so um, this is just like 5,000 to 1 odds were the odds at the beginning of the season that this team was going to win the Premier League. And so I'm thinking, like, man, if I would have just put a dollar 
on that. Like, that's not even real betting. But I would have won $5,000. You know, you just think about those things. But it's, these guys are the, just a ragtag group of people that they've come up together and talk about taking failure. Last place last season with nine games to play. And they turn it around and launch themselves into first place for this whole entire season. And so it's a lighthearted example, but that's the extreme cases that God wants to love us out of in our failures, to launch us into success, to launch us into loving us through our struggles, where we think our backs are to the wall, when we think we're the lowest of the low, when we think we failed so much that Jesus or God can never love us out of those things, that's when God comes around and says, no, my love is there for you to hold on to. It's there to sustain you. It's there to walk you through your struggle. From here on out, we see the life of Peter. As we read through scripture, we're going to be talking about it in the next series, but in the next messages in this series, but we think of Peter as the leader of the church, the rock of the church that Jesus had originally said after he had called him out. He said, Peter, you're going to be my rock. And after a time of failure, Peter chose to look not at this failure as a roadblock, but as a launch pad to launch the early church with the other leaders of the church. Failure is an opportunity to launch into new understanding of God's grace and forgiveness. If we're caught in sin, he has called us to look to him, repent, and go back to following him. Repentance literally means just turning back to following Jesus. And that's what Peter was in that moment. He had denied Jesus three times, and he come, Jesus comes to him and says, Do you love me? turn back. Yes, I love you. Yes, I love you. Yes, I love you. And so this doesn't mean that we seek out failure. It's not that we're promoting failure, that, you know, let's just go out, be failures today so that we can know the love of Jesus more today. That's not what scripture teaches us, but it teaches us we're human. We're all going to fail. We're all going to have times when we let our emotions get the best of us, when we let things come out of our mouths that we shouldn't have said. We make a poor decision with our finances. We're human. We do mess up. And those are, the moments, those are the moments that we can come to Jesus and say, God, can you help me work through this? I'm going to repent, turn back to you, and follow you, what you have for me in this. If your failure is your marriage, how can you use your failure to launch into the marriage that you know God wants you to have? If your failure is your parenting, how does God want to help you get out of that failure to be the parents that you know that he wants you to be? If you failed in your profession, how, does God, how is God speaking to you to say, how can I get out of this failure to be a strong coworker again? to apply myself to my trade, to move forward in this. If you failed in your dreams, that you know that God placed within you, or that you know you, when you were a kid, you know there's this one thing that you wanted to do and that you just never had the bravery to step out and do it. Out of your failure, what is God calling you to do, to move forward? 
to let him use your failure as a launch pad instead of a roadblock. Thought number four today is God makes us brave. So this is a little bit of a teaser for next week because we're going to be talking about action and actually putting our bravery into action. How do we be brave to act? But until then, I think there are some of us who need to be brave today and look at our failure. We need to choose to use the bravery that God gives us to be able to look at our lives and take an account of the decisions that we've made and say, God, what am I holding on to as monuments that you would say, just let them be moments? What am, I, what am I doing in my life that may be a continual pattern of failure? What am I doing that is just continually tripping me up that God would say, Use those failures to learn and let it be a launch pad for success in the rest of your life. If you set up monuments in your life dedicated to time and you've failed them, how can God help you walk through that? And so I think, I think about through the, the Old Testament, and when I think about Peter, I think he was a disciple of Jesus. I think he walked on water. He wrote a few letters in the the New Testament. He was a leader of the church. He spoke to great crowds, and people soon followed after Jesus, after he would speak to them. You know, he healed people. We're going to talk about a story of where he heals people in the coming weeks. And when I think about all those things, I think about all the great things that Peter did. It's really hard for me sometimes to remember, oh yeah, Peter is the guy who denied Jesus times. That Peter is the guy who kind of sunk in the water when he lost sight of Jesus. Or in the book of John, we read that Peter was the man who slashed the servant's ear when they came to arrest Jesus. I think of Peter's successes. In the grand scheme of history, it's hard for me to remember his failures. I have to go look and remember, oh yeah, Peter did fail a few times. What do I remember most is that Peter turned from his failure and was walking success afterwards because he chose to let Jesus transform his life after those times. Peter's failures were not monuments. They were moments that he clearly learned from. In the same way, the love of God is here for us to look at our failure, not as monuments, but as moments. And so today the action point is just face your failure. Whatever it is, we're going to take a time of worship and of prayer, and I just encourage you to maybe, you know, stand up just as Dave directed. You can stand up and just lift your hands and say, God, I am so thankful for how your love has restored me from a time when I had failed. Or maybe you just need to, to stand there and think, you know, God, what are the areas in my life where I've failed? And maybe you're walking through something right now. But let's be people that don't look at monuments as the future of our life. But we, we look at that moment we chose to follow Jesus and we said, that's going to be my monument. That's going to be what I'm going to see the rest of my life out of. So I'm going to pray for you. And then as we worship, I just encourage you to take that, you know, self-diagnosis, self-thought to think about what in your life do you need to work through with Jesus and what is he calling you to What is the launch pad that he's calling you into? God, we just thank you for a morning to come and read your word. 
to look at a man that was so full of faith, but also had his own flaws in Peter, God. And I pray, Lord, that we look at that as an example for our lives to truly just trust in you, to truly know that in our moments of deep weakness or of just monumental failure, God, you have called us to not look at those as monuments, but to look at them as moments in our lives that we can trust in you afterwards, that we can learn from, that we can walk in your truth, walk in your strength, and most importantly, walk in your love. So Lord, I pray for the person who is here today who says, but you don't know my failure. You don't know the things that I've done. And I pray, Lord, that you'd encourage that person and that they would know that your love is greater than that mistake, greater than that failure, God. I pray for the the person that's just walking through something in their life right now where they just feel, you know what, I can't catch a break. I keep taking steps that I think you're calling me to, but I keep failing in those. God, I pray that you'd encourage that person, that you would encourage them to keep taking that next step and that they trust in you as they move along. And God, we just thank you for a morning, an opportunity to worship you. So as we do this for the next four to five minutes, God, I pray, Lord, that we would do that, that we would look and examine our own lives, God, and what you're going to do in our hearts in the area of being brave to address the failures that's inside of us, God. Let us do that today in your name. Amen.